I can't hear you, Joel. Can you hear the music? There we go. I can hear you now. Can you hear the music? I, I heard it. I heard that beautiful countdown. Do you, do you hear the music that's playing right now or no? No, I don't. I can only hear that. Shoot. Okay, ready? I'm going to try this again. Hold on. You got to have the theme music. Okay, we're going to try this again. Okay, watch this. Watch this. Okay. <laughs> All right. How about now? There it is. It wouldn't be Wolfie Wednesday without this girl. No, no, it wouldn't. I don't even know if I can think theologically without that music. To be honest, that's kind of my morning routine now. It's it's essential. I know. There's, there's no question. How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. Welcome hey. to the Think Podcast. It's Worldview Wednesday. I'm I Joel. think you should keep that theme music going, Joel, and I'm Pastor Ray. Just keep it going. Just the whole time. You know, dude, if I could figure out a way to do that, <laughs> that's uh, you. You just watched. You just saw the limit, the absolute extent of my technical uh, proficiency. Um, I went back and looked at an old, looked at an old Strengths Finders uh, thing. Remember those Strength Finders? You have to do oh, that yeah. in the park, right? I actually, I'm, doing, I'm taking my uh, my staff team through it uh, and my elders through it in a couple days. Oh, nice. Well. Uh, I've got a few strengths in there, Rafe, and um, whichever one is is linked to technical proficiency uh, is wasn't on there. So what you just saw, that's the extent of what you. Well, you got to You got it. Whenever you do strength finders, you got to do weakness finders as well. And is that a thing? <laughs> it is. I feel like that's my. It whole should life. be. I think exactly weakness finders. What true Christians should be taking. <laughs> that's right. Humility yeah. finder. Humility finder. Yeah. Know what you're terrible at. It helps. I found my, I, I did my strengths finder and I just, it just pulled up uh, the Bible verse that says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I said, okay. There you go. There we go. There you go. So, uh, all right. Uh, 30 second update, man. How you doing? How's life? How's family? Because yeah, your, your family is going to play a, a, a strong role in today's episode. Well, yeah, it might. It might. Um, yeah, we're good. Hey, we're we're in this with everybody else in Chicago, right? So school's all starting up. I got a first grader and uh, two twin girls that are going to their second year preschool. And uh, the whole school situation in the city of Chicago, that's a heavy weight to carry as, mm-hmm. as a family. So our kids go to a private Christian school, uh, grateful for that Christian schooling. I mean, it's incredible to, to just see Jesus being taught everywhere and in every subject. I love that. Yeah. Um, and so they're operating on slightly different rules and things and CPSs, uh, but still, so they're going back to school. Yeah. Um, but it's it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough run. Yeah. And uh, we're praying for the whole city in that regard. So I think that's probably in terms of the family, uh, that's for forefront of our mind right now. Are the kids having a mask up when they go in? They do. Yeah. That'll be different. That'll be very different. And well, what's interesting, it'll my, my first grader. She, she she loves this thing. I mean, she went out and, you know, her mom bought like her favorite masks. And so, you know, she's got them all laid out Monday through Friday, you know, each day of the week, she has her mask that she's going to wear. Um, That's sweet. The preschoolers, I'll, you know, I, I can't, I'll be interested to see if they can keep them on for a quarter of the day. So I'm, I think they can. I think they're, they're going to have to, they're going to have to, but uh, I know my daughters, that'll be a, it'll be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're preschoolers, man. I mean, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> there's, there's a reason why the rooms, the preschool rooms are always filled with toys and right. uh, games. And, you know, it's because they're in preschool. That's what little kids need. And, you know, you put a mask on their face, it's going to be another something to play with, something to distract them. But, hey, 
All right, you get, how about you? Give me a quick 30 second update before we jump into this stuff today. Dude, we're selling our house. We're moving out of Chicago. I know, I know. Don't tell me the bad news. We're leaving. Uh, good news is we're making some good progress. We we were going to move out to the sticks way out. I figure set of cases go hard, man. So we were going to, if we're going to leave Chicago, we wanted to go way out. But it's looking now like we're going to be a little closer to the city, which I'm happy for because you know what, man? One of the things that we're... Um, one of the things that we're literally that we're looking at is I want to be within a good driving distance to be able to get down to the South Loop mm. and to be able to get down to University of Chicago because I really believe in the city of Chicago. That is one of the decisive points for mm -hmm. reaching the city of Chicago right now is the University of Chicago. And yeah. I think that that corridor from the South Loop on down to Hyde Park is um, – is one of the most important areas, if not the most important area in the city right now mm -hmm. in terms of ideological uh, battlegrounds. Mm -hmm. So we want to be close enough to that. So I'm, I believe me, I'm looking every, every house we get, I'm checking how far is this to, uh, to South Loop and to, to that area. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, that's part of the triple S Joel, you know, what the triple S is right No. What it's the Satan smacking strategy. <laughs> that's, uh, okay all right. you like that there you go i don't uh, know if i like that because that's that smacks of uh yeah i know, uh, I know. blaspheming uh holy know, ones I and all that. i i i'm aware of the situation okay uh, all right. but i will say this uh I, I totally agree with you i think university of chicago and hyde park is huge grounds for great apologetics work for uh having conversations on the gospel for evangelism uh U university of chicago in terms of uh kind of the intellectual elite of Chicago, uh, that would be the the centerpiece of the Midwest. Uh, and out of University of Chicago, there's great things that come out of there. Uh, there's wonderful knowledge and, and all that kind of stuff, but there's also a lot of uh, untruth and uh, unbiblical philosophy and ways of looking at the world, which have an impact. And so if you're gonna go for kind of the epicenter of the intellectual thinking in Chicago, Hyde Park's a spot. And man, I'll tell you what, Joel, in terms of your ministry and our church, uh, our church has a very intentional plan over the next few years to engage with Hyde Park. Uh, we're talking about church planting down there. In fact, we're making, uh, we just announced to our, our members this week that we're going to be uh, officially launching a church planting team down in the Hyde Park area. And so you are right. That is a great area to be. Fantastic, man. Well, um, I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. And, you know, uh, you and I both agree that one of the best ways to influence culture and civilization is maybe the best way, Rafe, is through the family. Now, stats are clear that the best possible environment for a child to be raised in is with one man, uh, one mom, one dad living together in a home. And for sure, that sometimes doesn't work out. Divorce happens. There is such a thing as biblical divorce. And hey, unbiblical divorce happens as well. Guess what else? Spouses die tragedy befalls. Mm -hmm. But although not everyone's situation is ideal, the objective ideal is still there. Children do best when raised by mom and dad. That's what the stats say. That's what the Bible's picture uh, that it paints is. But what if we told you right now that there are over 44,000 children living without a mom or dad in the U.S. foster care system, and that the average age of these children is six and a half, and that children who age out of the foster care system face grave disadvantages later in life compared to children who live and grow up with their parents, and that adoption is an incredible blessing to the adoptive parents 
as well as to the child, and is a powerful way to carry out your own piece of Christ's great commission to the church. What if we told you all of that? Well, today on the Think Podcast, it is Worldview Wednesday with Joel and Pastor Rafe, and we are going to look at adoption from a biblical perspective, and we're going to look at how the glorious Christian teaching on adoption collides head-on with the world's culture of abortion and death. And maybe you'll get to the end of this video, and you'll still say, you know what, I don't think adoption's for me, but you owe it to yourself to at least listen in, find out what the Bible says, to look at this from a biblical worldview. That's what we're all about. It's Worldview Wednesday. This is what we're talking about, why Christian families should consider adoption right now. So let's do this. Rafe, Rafe, why is this topic so important to you? And why does it need to be important to Christians listening right now? <clears throat> well, I'll try to take both those questions right, right in order, actually. So for me, um, it, this is a topic, as you said, it should be it should be of import to every Christian. And we're going to get into some theology today. And so this is not just for some Christians or, you know, some other Christians. Every Christian should have a, uh, an incredible theology of their own adoption. And so we'll talk about that today of what it means to be adopted into the family of God through Jesus Christ. And so as a Christian, I'm interested in adoption. Um, learning about adoption for me and my wife actually drove us. We're adoptive parents. So we uh, have adopted two sweet Twin girls, we talked about that on the show before. Uh, two sweet twin girls through Chicago's foster care system. Um, man, I have, I, I've got so much to share on this. We could talk forever. And one of the great joys, honestly, one of the great joys of my ministry is um, not only being a dad to three little girls, I love being a dad and being a husband, uh, but getting to challenge and push our church uh, to step into this area of need in our city. Uh, and so for me, it's personal. I'm an adoptive dad, and uh, it's but that's driven by my theology in Christ. We became adoptive parents because of our own adoption in Christ. Um, but then secondly, I really believe right now uh, the world needs two things so bad. <laughs> they need two things, and Christians should be majoring in both of these things. The world needs to see a uh, a a powerful witness with our words of Jesus Christ raised from the dead. They need to see preaching. They need to see evangelism. Uh, Joel, I can, in, in our in our church, you know, our, we're not a massive church. In our church in the city, we are seeing so many people come to faith in Jesus Christ right now. More than, I've, really? in, more than any other season of my pastorate, we are seeing really? the faith in Jesus Christ. Um, I, I know of seven within our church in the last about six weeks, uh, brand new Whoa. followers of Christ because of evangelism, direct evangelism. And so on the one hand, the we, need, we, need, we need people telling others about Jesus Christ. And then we need that Christian testimony backed up by a lifestyle of, of radical Christian living, of living in accordance with God's word. And adoption is one of the greatest ways. It's not the only way. It's not the only illustration Jesus uses. But it, it, we need people living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And adoption, adopting children, stepping into foster care and orphan care is one of... Uh, one of the clearest ways to demonstrate agape love. Uh, and it, it says something to the watching world when Christians step into this place. And so I think on that reason, because we're in the midst of watching a world spin out of control into chaos, the stability of the gospel gives hope and adoption points people towards that. And so I think we need people to step into it. Man, that's good, man. That's really good. What's, what's the situation? I, I mentioned earlier 
there are over 44,000 children living in the foster care system right now. Um, I know this is a subject that you've researched extensively. In fact, you just taught a class on this mm. at, at your church, right? So what, what is the need right now? Um, societally, you mentioned about how society is spinning out of control. From a human perspective, of course, that's true. We would both affirm that nothing's out of control when it comes to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But uh, humanly speaking, that is the case. What about specifically related to these kids and the foster care system? Rafe, what is the extent? And this is, man, if it feels like I'm interviewing you right now, rather than us having a conversation, <laughs> I know, it's because I, know. I, I you've, you've got a wealth of information on this. So like, what, what is the need right now, uh, with, with regard to this issue? Uh, are you talking about specific numbers? Well, specific numbers, uh, the condition these kids live in. I mean, yeah. when you talk to people about foster care, what are, what do you highlight in terms of why this is an, an urgent need at this particular time? Yeah. Well, th- there's a number of things in that. One, I don't have the specific numbers uh, in terms of Chicago specifically. Those aren't hard to look up, Joel. In fact, one of us could look them up right now while, we're, while I'm talking uh, of how many children are in the foster care system. Um, I know in the city of Chicago, it's a lot. In fact, it's kind of breathtaking how many there are in the system. Um, I can tell you as a, as, a, as a dad who has, as a Christian dad and husband who's gone through the foster care system in Chicago and, and worked inside of it, um, it is a system that is on its best days trying its best to care for a ton of kids in a bad situation. I mean, You've got attorneys, you've got judges, you've got caseworkers, you've got social workers, you've got you've got so many layers of people that are trying their best to help these children who have been taken out of their homes for one reason or another. Uh, and you know, oftentimes it's real bad situations. Oftentimes there's abuse involved. Oftentimes there's neglect involved. Oftentimes it's a really sad story. You know, a lot of these parents, you know, most parents don't go into being a parent thinking they're going to get the kids taken away from them. Most parents, you know, they, they strive as best as they can to get their kids back and to get their life in order. And so part of, and I'll speak specifically to the foster care system, part of being a foster parent is learning how to develop a heart for the brokenness of parents who lose their children to the foster care system right. and desiring a heart to see that person restored and Lord willing to even uh, be able to take their child back and raise them as the biological parent. That doesn't always happen. In fact, oftentimes it doesn't happen. Uh, but part of being a foster parent is knowing that. In terms of the need, and I think you pulled up the numbers, so I'll let you share some of those in a second. In terms of the need, as soon as you step into the foster care system, you very quickly get a crash course in how much depravity there is in the world. You begin to see the stories and you begin to um, see the children and listen to the other foster parents and what they're going through trying to navigate this messy system. And it's one of those things where it it's, you know, there's a happy, there's a, there's a happiness to ignorance. Uh, you know, there's a naivety, but once you jump into the muck and the mire and your eyes kind of get open, you're like, oh man, it's that bad. These children are going through what? Now they're carrying what kind of baggage with them? Um, it's very hard to turn away from it once you go through that door. So Joel, you pulled up some numbers. What, share, what are some of the numbers in terms of kids in foster care and kids yeah. in all kinds of care right now? So here's what I found on adoptuskids.org. Here's what I found. There are 17,920 children in foster care in Illinois. 3,347 of these children are waiting for adoptive 
families. Mm. Now, I'm not sure the, the distinction there, Rafe, between the kids who are in foster care versus the kids waiting for adoptive families. I assume that the larger number is just all the kids who are in the system, but maybe presumably many of them, what, haven't been cleared to be adopted yet, or the hope is that they're going to be reunited with their birth parents. Is that right. is that the distinction there? I'm guessing so. What happens with a child in the foster care system is that they go through these stages and the first stage and the first four stages are always, uh, they always have the desire to return home. That's the title of it. So it's return home after three months. So what happens is a child will get removed from a home and then uh, they'll have a court case in three months. So the child gets placed with a foster care parent. And then in three months later, they meet back in front of the court. The judge says, hey, parent, how you doing? Have they made progress? Have they done what the court said they had to do? If so, you take a step closer towards reuniting the child with the parent. If they haven't, uh, you either kind of stay in the lane you were in or you move further. And it's like return home in six months and then, you know, return home a year. And eventually you get to yeah. a phase where you terminate rights uh, and the child then becomes, uh, you know, they move into they're up for adoption. Uh, and so my guess is without knowing exactly what you're looking at, my guess is, is that you're talking about children that have had their rights fully terminated and are ready for adoption versus those who are still in the system hoping to return home at some point. Okay, man. Huge numbers, man. Yeah. Huge numbers. Um, when when you talk about adoption and when you when you taught this class, do you get into the biblical teaching on adoption at all? I've got a bunch of Bible Always. verses pulled up. What Always. what do you what do you talk about? I mean, I I know. Um, I mean, I first thing I think of is John chapter one verse twelve, hmm. uh, where it talks about to all who did receive him, receive Christ who believe in his name, he, God the Father, gave the right to become children of God. Mm -hmm. Now that's that's one verse of many that talk about how our relationship with God as believers is itself described as it's a change in status. We're not we're not born as you know, we're not brought into this world as children of God. It's a status that has to be conferred upon us. Mm -hmm. We are essentially adopted and it's not by the will of man. It's not by our, our own will, at least not at first. It's really, it's up to the will of the Heavenly Father, our, our Heavenly Father. He adopts us into his family, which is why elsewhere it says, we've been given the spirit of adoption as sons. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I don't know, do you go there or what are some of the other verses as you're thinking about the biblical teaching on adoption? Yeah, I mean, those are a couple of places I go. And I'll, uh, Romans, Galatians is a few, Romans and Galatians have a few verses I'll read right now. But I think this is actually just high level stuff to, re to remember to any Christian listening. You know, sometimes I see, uh, you know, you'll, you'll go somewhere where someone's holding up a sign that says something like we're all children of God or something like that. That's actually not true theologically. Uh, every human being is made in the image of God. And we talk about that often, especially when we talk about issues of race. We talk right. about issues of, you know, stuff like that where one person is looking down on another person. Every human being is made in the image of God and it therefore Amen. is worthy of dignity, respect, value, all that. Um, the only people who are children of God are those who have been adopted into his family through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's Amen. it. Outside of faith in Jesus Christ, there you, you do not get the right to call God Father. He, you are not his child. That's John chapter one. Uh, God receives them as children um, who place their faith in him. And so a couple key passages when we talk about adoption. Uh, Romans chapter 8 is a great one. Uh, so Romans, the beautiful Romans chapter 8, you know, a lot of theologians call it the most precious chapter in the Bible. Great chapter. Maybe the best. Possibly, quite possibly. A lot of people are saying the best chapter ever. The best. The best. 
And you know what? That's an objective standard. And so it's easy to, <laughs> that's a very clear distinction to make. It just sounded, it sounded a little uh, Trumpy in there. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. a lot of, a lot of people are saying it's the very best, the best, the best, the best. <laughs> the best. <laughs> all right. All right. Sorry. T terrible interruption. Go on, please. Uh, man, insert Trump joke. Okay. Uh, Romans 8, 12 to 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And then it has this great verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. So many themes get brought up there. You've got adoption. Uh, you've got calling out Abba, Father. That's that's like daddy. That's like a very personal uh, calling on God as this personal Abba, Father, very unique to the Christian faith to speak to God that way. And we get that because we've been adopted as his children. In there, I've heard that Abba is not daddy, though. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that it's not the equivalent of daddy. It's more just, it's a familiar term. But It's it's a, right. I don't think you can do a one-to-one -one translation to daddy. Uh, certainly, I don't think, you know, a lot of Greek terms don't have a one-to-one -one translation. True. But it has a very familial, personal edge to it. Okay. Okay. Uh, so daddy might be maybe a little childish in our uh, interpretation, but it has a familial edge to it. So you call Abba, and then in there you get the language of that we're heirs, right? And you think of an heir as a legitimate child. They're receiving that which is the father's through inheritance. And it, it, they get blessed with all that's the father's. And then in the other big ones, Galatians chapter 4, 4 to 7, uh, reads this way. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, here is again, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So before I give commentary, Joel, you know, as you hear those passages, I mean, you're a world of wisdom when it comes to Bible knowledge and kind of understanding scripture. What, what are you pulling out from those that are important for us? You know, there's this rebirth that happens. And it's, it's really... Uh, it's really this gracious and amazing thing, but it's also very humbling because the reason why we are sons of God is not because of our personal achievement. I mean, as I'm reading this passage from Galatians 4, what is the, what is the, the cause for us becoming God's children. Well, it's not because we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's not because we expanded our theological knowledge to the extent where God would accept us. It's not because we searched for truth among the, the, uh, the tomes and the annals of history and, and theological works. It's because he has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Yeah. So you've got, so the Holy Spirit in scripture is sometimes called the spirit of Christ. Uh -huh. Here in Galatians, he's called the spirit of of God's son. So because Jesus is the natural son of God, so to speak, I don't mean natural in terms of physical, but he's the only begotten son. He is the third, the second person of the Trinity. He's God, right. the son. And by his very nature and essence, he is son. Mm -hmm. And the, the Holy spirit is the spirit of Christ. He's the, 
the comforter and the um the other mediator and the advocate that that God sent and because God sent that spirit that his holy spirit into us and the holy spirit now dwells with us it's because of that totally active on God's part totally passive on our part it's because of that reality that we are now children of God mm-hmm. that we don't contribute to it we don't work our way towards it. We don't add anything to it at all. It's completely the work of God. Okay. And, and, and Rafe, I admit it's convicting to me. It's humbling to me because I quite frankly want to take pride in my status with God in my flesh. I mm. want to take pride in it. And it's like, no, Joel, you can't. You were a child of Satan. You were a child of wrath. You were an object of wrath. Yeah. You, you were essentially chaff <laughs> and now you are wheat you are a goat now you're a sheep that that only i know sheeps don't turn into goats i i get that but but we i was dead and he brought me to life mm-hmm. by his spirit and that is the most incredible thing and it's such an amazing parallel to adoption i want to show a video here in a minute about this kid this little boy just pleading to be adopted mm-hmm. and it's he has no say in whether or not he will be adopted. Mm-hmm. That is us, Rafe. Yeah. And and so that's that's what's going on in my mind right now as I'm hearing this. Um, maybe it's because I spoke with my, I had lunch with a Roman Catholic friend yesterday, and we were talking about the relationship between faith and works. And I'm hearing this passage in Galatians going, dude, works have nothing to do nothing. with it. No. Nothing. So that's it's what's such going a, that's on why it's such a picture of the gospel. You know, the two. Uh, hard to make this claim, but the two largest illustrations Jesus uses regularly and the New Testament uses regularly to talk about the Christian faith is marriage and adoption. Those are the two things because in them you so clearly see the gospel. And this is what's so important, what I try to drive home. When we talk about uh, a kind of real world adopting children out of the foster care system or adopting children through any of the agencies that help adopt children in need, For Christians, you have to realize and you have to come to terms with and wrestle and rejoice in your own adoption. Christians don't take the time to do this. Think of what an adopted child, and this video you'll show, and I haven't seen the video, but assuming I know what the video is about. When you're watching this video, think of the joy in that child's heart once he gets adopted. Here's a child who, who didn't have a home, perhaps came from an abusive past, perhaps came from a past where he now carries a lot of scars and is then transferred, Colossians 1 would say, from a kingdom of darkness into (laughs) this new kingdom, right? He's going to get transferred, and now there's a new legal status where he has new parents who are going to love him, take care of him. When he gets into that home, there's going to be such a, a, a joy, a recognition of what's taken place of recognizing what the, that salvation in a sense of it, what, what, what's happened in his life. And Christians don't take the time to reflect on this. You've been adopted. That's the core of my class. You've been adopted as a Christian. And then out of a position of rejoicing in your own adoption, you then step in and adopt others as a picture of what Christ has done for you. Okay. Now, th- there is a difference in the adoption. On the one hand, there's a spiritual whole life adoption. What's the connective principle that goes from the adoption that God bestowed upon us and the non-spiritual adoption that we, you, you know, um, 
how how is that not uh sort of a, a hasty and maybe even illegitimate application to say God adopted us in this particular way, therefore we adopt, you know, uh we adopt children in sort of a different way, but hey, still adoption. What's the connective principle there? Um why why does the one image the other? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I think it's in the passages we read. A couple of things come to mind to answer that. One is the the language Jesus uses in both of those passages, it's it's familial. It's father, it's Abba Father, it's children. Uh, he compares it in Romans 8 that you are no longer a slave, right? You're no longer the slave. Uh, a slave uh, works, <laughs> he works underneath the command without the necessary love, the fatherly love of the father. And at the end of the day, after he's given his whole life to working for this person, he doesn't receive any of the inheritance. A, a child might still work for the father, but does it not to a, to gain the father's approval, does it out of a place of being approved by the father because he's a son and then gains the inheritance at the end. That's good. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like marriage that right in marriage that all earthly marriages point to the one true greater marriage, right? And the, the true great marriage is what we then in some ways build our concept of marriage off. It's not a perfect illustration. Mar earthly marriages aren't there. There's some things you gotta, gotta stretch to make it, make it fit the greater, you know, Jesus to his bride. Um, and the same way adoption, the concept of adoption is rooted in what's already taken place. That's where we get our ideas from adoption. Yeah, that's good. Kind of that's good. Yeah, that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense, man. All right. So, um, so this is a video that I came across on discern.com, D I S R N.com, my favorite news site. And, um, wow, man, I, I had tears coming to my eyes when I was watching this. Uh, so it's called, the title is, I hope one of y'all pick me. Nine-year-old boy wants a place to call home. So let me just, um, let me just share this screen here and, you know, we can watch this and, and comment on it. And then, you know, Rafe, it would be, it would be really great if we could, if you could talk about the process and how, how you went about meeting that need in your own little girl's life and um you know what that was like for you guys just yeah. to give the rest of us who are considering adoption or, or maybe not even considering adoption but should be um sort of a taste of that so here here's the uh here's the video let's see if we can play this if you if, if once it starts playing you can't hear it please let me know jordan strapped on some rollerblades and it didn't take long for him to show us some impressive skills Afterwards, Jordan was thrilled to meet some of his heroes, officers with the Oklahoma City Police Department. What's that? He's always been inspired by police officers. What do you want to do? Please. Why do you want to be a police officer? Because they're fun and also they protect people. If Jordan looks familiar to you, it's because we featured him and his brother Brazen three years ago at Frontier City. Back then, the siblings lived in separate foster homes. We would like to do anything. Brazen has since been adopted, and Jordan says he doesn't get to see his little brother that much anymore. Now, this nine-year-old just hopes he'll soon find his own loving family. If you could go anywhere, anywhere in the whole wide world, where would it be? To an adoption party for a home. And if you were granted three wishes? Family? Family? 
Those are only wishes I have. It's no secret a family would be a dream come true. Jordan lives at a group home now, but would love a sense of normalcy and the unconditional love of a parent. I call mom and dad, or this mom, or this dad. I don't really care. A family to eat mac and cheese together, ride bikes together, and most of all. Well, the reason why it's important is because um, so I could have um, some, like, some people to talk to anytime I need to. A child just looking for his place to call home. Lacey Let, Oklahoma's News 4. Wow. You're on mute, Joel. I said, uh, I was trying to say, um, just got real dusty in yeah. here. I got a lot of dust in my eyes yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. Man. Wow. Um, hey, uh, quick, quick update. Um, Discern.com is reporting. The Oklahoma Department of Human Services reported that it has received more than 10,000 requests from people who want to adopt a nine-year-old boy <laughs> after his story was shared by a local CNN affiliate. Wow. So it sounds like that kid is going to get a, a good home, which man, man. praise the Lord for that, huh? Wow. That's a, that was a good story. Thanks for sharing that. I think, you know, sometimes people just need a, a little visual into the world of what the, what the world is like. They need, they need to see it, whether it's through a movie or through a little news article like that, or stepping in and actually just starting to serve and get to know the information. Sometimes just having your eyes open, you know, the Lord breaks your heart that way. And, uh, and that's good to share. Thanks for that, Joel. So what was the process like for you as, as you were getting ready to, how did you guys decide that you wanted to adopt? Mm -hmm. And then how did you meet your daughters mm -hmm. before they were your daughters. Yeah. And what was that process like for, for Sarah and you as you're taking on, I mean, you're trip, you're tripling the number of children that you had <laughs> in, in one fell swoop. What was that like for you? Uh, man, it was, it was a messy process. I think adoption, no matter what you do, adoption is going to be a messy process. Uh, we, we started, we read a book by, um, by a guy named Russell Moore, who uh, Joel, you and I talked about Russell Moore before, but uh, Russell Moore's got this book called Adopted for Life. He's an adopted parent. He wrote a Christian book on on just understanding adoption. Really wonderful book. I, you know, I've had a lot of people from my church go through Adopted for Life, um, and so it. And I think what that book did is we were processing adoption. We were beginning to think about it, and he really laid it out in a way that he connected it to the gospel for us, and he really challenged us of what it could look like, and and expose some of the questions we should be asking. So we, we started praying. And at some point shortly after finishing that, that book, um, we just said, let's at least take a first step. Let's, let's go to the class. I mean, what, what harm is there in going to the class? We don't know if we're ready yet, but we know at some point the list is growing on our hearts. So we went, we drove out to Oak Brook, to the suburbs of Chicago, to a church that was putting on a class, but adoption. Uh, now, what happened for us is we actually originally went the straight adoption route. Uh, we, but not foster care. What I mean by that is we didn't go through the foster care system originally. We went to a class just to learn about adoption. Um, and what we quickly learned is the process of uh, regular adoption and distinct from foster care to adoption. Uh, the, the path of regular adoption in the U.S., there are more people that are looking to adopt, particularly infants, than there are infants up for need for adoption. Now we weren't only, really? yeah, there's a, there's more people that want to adopt than there are needs of infants to adopt. That's not the case okay. internationally. Okay. Okay. Let me, so 
Is this is this why? So we got a comment from Donna Flenke. Mm-hmm. She said this. She said it's unfortunate that so much money is involved in the adoption system, and some of the regulations in home studies keep willing families from being able to adopt. Is mm. that why there's there's such a backlog of parents, or what is the reasoning for that? Well, I think there's two reasons. I mean, and, and one of them we've talked about a lot. One of them is abortion. I think. Uh, oh a lot of children die in the womb before they get put up for adoption. Okay. Um, and so that's a very real thing. And so as Christians, this is part of it. If we're really going to go out there and advocate for the end of abortion, then we better have a whole bunch of people ready to adopt once the law gets changed. Because Amen. There's but, be a lot more children. But if there's more parents than there are kids, why haven't all the kids been adopted? Uh, they usually, when it comes to infants, many of them do. Uh, okay. There's also, there's a couple multiple layers in here. Sometimes, and I, you know, I don't know what the exact facts on this. These are part of the story of what I went through. And, and I'll get to why we changed our mind to go to the foster care route. Um, sometimes it's, uh, there's like a race thing. So I'd be very interested to look at um, what race of children get adopted more than others. You know, one of the things you go through and you, you, you mark off like, okay, are you willing, you know, what kind of child do you want to take? And one of the questions is race. Would you take a child that looks different than you? Would you take a child that has particular needs, particular handicaps? And these are all very real questions. Like, it's one thing when you're not really taking any steps to adoption to say, oh, I would take any child. It's another thing to actually be in that position and say, wait a second, a child's going to get dropped off and it's going to be our child. And do we have home for this do we do all that kind of stuff um and so i'd be interested to see uh what the breakdown of what children get adopted but in general in general what happens is in in straight up adoption you make this kind of uh book about yourself and your family all the stuff you do you know i'm a pastor uh all these are the stuff we like to do here's a sweet picture of us and then uh people who are giving their children up for adoption uh go through and they go to an agency and they start kind of flipping through all the families and, and what's really sweet is there, there are a lot of really wonderful families who want to adopt. I, I, I am grateful to know that there are a lot of families. I think we need more Christian families doing it. But in general, we got, we got into the list and we started making our sheet about ourselves, And we just suddenly realized, and this is not to knock this at all, like we need people to adopt. So ad- there's no wrong way to adopt. <laughs> okay, let's do it. But we got to a place where we said, whether or not we're on this list, all the children that are here are going to get adopted by a family that's going to be that looks great for them. I mean, it would be best if they were with a Christian family. We know that, but these are pretty solid families on this list, and they've been vetted pretty well. And so we started asking ourselves the question: Wait a second. The reason we really got into this is because we wanted to we wanted to help a child who didn't really have hope. Uh, and uh, you know, every child in adoption needs a good family, and so it's a great route to go. But we realized that foster care was a little different, but but a lot of those children were going to be in a situation where um, they they may not find a find a home. So that that kind of sent us the foster route. And I'll be honest, I was originally opposed to it because I didn't know anything about foster care. Uh, and my wife. So foster is kids is older. Is that is it older kids? Whereas adopt straight adoption, those are infants? no foster care can be any age. So you know, for example, my twins were from birth uh, in the foster care system. They were taken okay. out from birth. Uh, and so, and, and so it can go all the way up to 18. You age out of the foster care system once you have your 18th birthday. Right. Uh, which is really sad. And so, th- and I would say there definitely is a huge need for, uh, foster care of older children. Um, that's a, just a big need in the city because kids who are in the foster care system, you know, they don't really have parents and they they begin to get in trouble. And oftentimes it's, it's kind of repeated 
you know, you begin to create generations of um, behavior that ends with more children in the foster care system. And so you can break that by stepping into it. Uh, so then we got into the foster care route. We started taking the classes for that. Uh, as we were wrapping up the classes, and the classes are great. You know, people people go into this and they rip on these classes you got to take because, you know, it's the, it's the government teaching you about parenting. And so... <laughs> Like there's only so much they can teach you. Uh, does uh, does does Pritzker himself come out and, and give tips and uh, <laughs> because that's who I want to learn from. Let me you know, you. you know, it's I'm I'm actually defending it right now, and so I know it, I know it, I know it's just it's it's funny, it's just funny to think. No, but that's but but this is good. We need to hear this. Okay, yeah. the natural thing is to go. Oh yeah, what's the government going to teach me about yeah, parenting? Exactly. But but I know you had a you have a lot of good things to say about it. So, well, we so we, we feel it. like we learned a lot. I mean, we were in a class of characters. I'll tell you what. I mean, honestly, in our class, one of the folks who was in the class with us actually at one point said. Uh, you know, had asked if there was ever a situation where they could use their gun on the child. <laughs> I'm not joking. That was what? a real situation. Like they, they were talking about fostering a child and said, you know, if, if they, uh, if they have a gun, do I have a right to take my gun out? And, and we were, we were like, this is a, what kind of crazy question is this? So <laughs> there are characters that, that's real. That's real. There, <laughs> I mean, what's, what's happening in this house? Is this like a regular thing? Like, okay, so let's say we're having one of our family Saturday afternoon gunfights. Okay, it's a typical, ordinary Saturday afternoon. We're having ourselves a shootout in the backyard. You know, it, like all families do. Is that fine? Can I do that with my... Like, what the heck, man? It was uh, it was a funny moment. And that, that class was full of funny moments. I mean, there's just a, you know, you meet a lot of interesting folks. And, and you're one of them. You're an interesting folk yourself. So sure, you got plenty sure. of weird stuff you're going to ask. Yeah. I think the... Uh, I learned a lot in that. My wife and I went into it kind of like, oh, we got to take these classes. And halfway through, we both looked at each other and went, whoa, I'm learning a lot about the baggage these children are carrying with them. I'm learning a lot about what it means to have a heart for the, the biological parent. We, weren't, we didn't go into it with a heart for the biological parent. We were like, let's just help. We want to step in. I don't care. I don't frankly care all that much about the parent. They screwed up. I want, the, I want to help the kid. And halfway through, we were like, wait a second. That's a life. And that's a parent. And we know what it's like to be a parent. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine someone taking my kids away from me. And so it changes your heart, uh, it teaches wow. you about the attorneys involved, all the different people involved and what, what the kids are going to go through. And also about the reality of abuse. You learn a lot about the um, horror of child abuse. And it begins to give you a sense of what you're stepping into. Uh, when we were nearly done with it, we got a phone call from a woman in our church who was already a foster parent. Uh, she had a, a little boy, and she said that the little boy's twin sisters um, were going to be up for a new foster home. They were in a foster home, and that uh, they were going to be removed from that home, and they were looking for a new home. And, you know, the foster care system is always delighted to be able to keep siblings within a close network with each other. Um, and so uh, we, my wife and I, we had never thought about twins. We were like, well, what? <laughs> I, that wasn't on the radar. We were talking about one kid. But this is what God does. When, when you step into anything of faith, you think you have the script written, but God is going to change it. And what God, what, what, what most honors the Lord is when every day you hold your hands with open hands like this and you say, I'm not writing the script for my life, God. You are. So whatever you got, I'm, I'm in. And my wife and I just started praying about it and asking the question, why wouldn't we take twins? And, um, and we said yes. And so we took the little brother's twins home with us and uh, we became their foster parents. Uh, 
and that was a, the whole own uh, little world of learning how to how to be a new parent, how to have three daughters, uh, how to navigate. Um, you know, when you're a foster parent, there's you have to have uh, visitations with the biological mom, and so you know, once or twice or three times a week, the children are taken out of your home. They're brought to the biological mom's home, uh, or brought to the, somewhere where they can meet with the biological mom and have a visitation. And there's all kinds of messy things in in it. Sometimes, you know, we've had stories where that goes really well, and we've had days and weeks and stories where that can really cause a lot of pain. I mean, there there can be a lot of negative things that can come from that. And so, why is that? Why why is that? Um, well, a number of reasons. One, depending on when and where the visitation happens, you're being asked to parent this child. So at the end of the day, you're not their actual parent. Right. But you're being asked to do everything a parent would do. Mm-hmm. You've got to feed them. You've got to put them to bed at night. You've got to love them. You've yeah. got to get them to school, get them all their shots. You've got to do everything, right? But then once a few times a week, they leave your care and go to a totally different culture, which was not good, which is why they were taken out of it. Um, And oftentimes what happens with children in foster care is usually when they come home from those visitations, it's like any progress you had made, oftentimes, not always, but sometimes the progress you'd made in forming new habits, new culture, new ways of doing things, it's like it just goes out the window and sometimes they get told something totally different. Sure. And so imagine trying to be a dad and saying, hey, you know, we don't, uh, we don't curse. And then yeah. you go somewhere else, and all of a sudden, someone else is saying, "Well, we do curse." Well, you got a right. confused child, and right. then there's a million things like that. Sure, yeah, so it'd be messy. Makes sense. It makes sense. Um, and then our story, just to wrap this up, our story by God's grace, uh, that can usually last in Chicago. It can last between three to five years is average. If you're looking to adopt, that's the average. Um, the average is three to five years of being wow. in the foster care system, and then moving towards actual adoption, where there's termination of rights, and then you actually go in and adopt fully the child. And once they're adopted. Right, they get a new birth certificate with your name as the dad and the mom on it. They get a really, every, yeah. They it's a it's a full adoption. So right now, my children's birth certificate in the father line, birth dad, <laughs> it says my name in there. Um, Dude, that that is such a picture of being born again. You got it. Wow, mm-hmm. that's amazing. You get a new birth certificate. Yes. That's the that's got to be the closest thing in this terrestrial sphere that you can get to being born again outside of actually being born again. I mean, that's you're changing history. You're going back in the, in time, so to speak and saying you were born to this new family. You, you have a completely new identity. That's incredible. Now, now is there a name change that goes along with that uh, sometimes or, or do they typically keep their birth names? These children, Uh, you know, every parent decides we kept their first names. Uh, A lot of parents choose to change the names uh, we kept the birth names, uh, obviously, and we gave them new middle names to honor their new family. Okay. So they each, uh, my mom and then Sarah's my wife's mom. Uh, so Gretchen and Deborah are our twins' middle names uh, to give them like part of their our own family lineage, right? Yeah. Like they're going to carry our family traditions with them now. Um, and then along the way, you make a ton of decisions like that, right? I mean, there's hard decisions as adoptive parent. Are you going to keep the relationship open with the biological mom? That's a hard one. Uh, there's a whole world of conversation books written on that topic. Um, are you going to keep a relationship with existing siblings, with new siblings? Um, these are, you know, when you're not in the process, they, they might sound like easy decisions to make, but right. they're actually right. not. They're, they're, they have lifelong 
repercussions based on how you make that decision. Yeah. And so you want to think and pray wisely on them. Man, that's, um, that's amazing. And now, you know, it, it was such a sweet thing as an outside observer to, to look at your Facebook. I mean, you and I remember, I remember we, we spoke during that process, but to look at your Facebook, your family's Facebook mm -hmm. pictures, you know, and while you're in the process of fostering, your little girls had, you couldn't show their faces on social media. So they'd have like, you know, so like a heart emoji over their faces. And uh -huh. it was like, it was like this, this very visible signification that these are not our kids yet. Right. These are not our, we're, we're, we're loving them. We're treating them, treating them like our daughters, but they're not our kids yet. And then when that switch happened, when they were fully adopted and now you can show their face and <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a, maybe it seems like a, a minor thing, but it was like this visible sign. These kids are part of our family. Now they yeah. belong with us. They are ours. We, we love them. It's like the, the heart icon signifying the love. It's like it went from their face to mm. boom. Into the heart, you can't see yeah. it anymore because it's internal now. It's yeah. in there; they're part of us. Uh -huh. It's just this, this. I, you know, I, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it's just this really cool thing to see from the outside. You're right. Yeah, that, the, and that's one of the things that's interesting. You know, with foster care and adoption, there's so many, there's so many pieces of the story of our own story and our children's story that, um, you know, we don't share uh, publicly because they're fairly private and. I don't want to share my my girl's whole story and all that kind of stuff, but they're precious. You know, they're precious little parts of our family, just like there's parts of your family that are like it's it's your family's story and you, you kind of treasure that stuff. Um, but I will say the the ability to share publicly and really kind of proclaim, man, this is our daughter. This is our family. Here's a picture to the world of what our daughters look like. That was a, that was a sweet moment celebrating adoption. And for us, honestly, Joel, what I want to say to the Christians is. This was a church thing. Uh, what, what I would strongly encourage, and you know, I get to be a pastor of a church, and now I get to kind of lead the charge on a number of these initiatives. And we're watching a lot of families in our church adopt, step into foster care, step into an organization called Safe Families, which is kind of like, it's a Christian organization that helps very short-term placement of children who need temporary homes for maybe a few weeks, maybe a couple months, but it's not quite as extensive as foster care. Um, or just stepping into... Um, supporting families and, and foster parents or adoptive parents. I'm watching, we got a, another couple in our church right now who's in the process of adopting, just got, uh, just got their, um, their child officially kind of placed, not placed in the home, but officially identified who their child will be. And so uh, I love, and I think every Christian should do this in within the context of their local church. If local churches yes. move towards adopting, and raising up adoptive parents, supporting those adoptive parents, and having a, a, a culture of discipling children and bringing in orphans, foster care children, you name it, into that church, it's very strong. When, when Christians are doing it on their own, you kind of get into a, uh, it, it can be a, a hard place, and you need support and strength, and that's what the church is for. That's good, man. Look, I, there's a couple of adoptions, we, uh, sorry, objections that we have to talk about okay. and, and obstacles. But uh, someone was asking, Anne Halliday says this. She says, Hi, Anne. So sounds like, oh, you know Anne. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, good. So this is good. Is this someone from your church? Yeah, from our church, yeah. 
Okay. Well, that's, that's pretty cool, man. I know you guys are creating a great culture there about, uh, you know, around the area of adoption. So here's what she says. She says, sounds like Rafe recently offered an info or intro slash informational class at Park South Loop, similar to the one he himself attended in Oakbrook. Do you know where there might be another such class coming up? Thank you. And was the class that you taught Rafe, was it, was it kind of a how to, or was it more like a rationale like a why class, like why to adopt. Yeah, or was it a so, how-to class? Yeah, I think. And, and, and where can they find another one? Good question. And I think that there's a conflation of two separate classes there. So let me make sure I clarify. Uh, the class that I like to teach um, at, at our church, and I, I kind of will go around to other ministries and teach it as well, is primarily aimed at people who are either thinking about becoming adoptive parents one day, maybe taking their first steps. And I like to come in and give a pastoral overview and help walk through the practicals. What should you expect and how do you take first steps? There's so many unknowns when you've never been in it. So me and my wife can kind of step in and um, give the theological framework uh, at the church level. The class I took at Oak Brook was actually offered by an adoption agency. And it was their first on-ramp to being placed with their agency as becoming an adoptive parent. So uh, if, if someone's listening right now and they're wondering, like, what is the very first step? The very first step is whether you go through foster care or adoption, you have to choose your agency. And that is not necessarily an easy process to go through. There are actually whole websites and organizations that help you choose the agency that's right for you because there's a lot of them. And then once you select your agency, you go through training with them uh, on whatever path you choose. And so those are usually being offered all across the city. Uh, Oftentimes they're in churches or you know, usually they're in churches because churches do a lot of adoption work. Yeah. I, I, I love that fact, man, because how often do Christians who are pro-life and vocally pro-life get this criticism? Oh, if you're really pro-life, you, you would care about the kids after they're born and Christians don't care about kids after they're born. It's like, well, statistically speaking, no one adopts more kids than Christians. Like that's kind of our thing. That's kind of what we do. Yeah. No one runs missions like Christians run missions. No one runs after school tutoring programs like Christians run after school tutoring. I mean, it's it's a false argument. Christians care about the whole life and we are deeply embedded in every aspect of life and we love life before it's born and after it's born and we step into all of it. Yeah, and we don't toot our own horns about it because we're not supposed to do that. You know, pride comes before destruction. So we're not out there charitably giving and, and, you know, waving, uh, having, you know, having a big parade to celebrate ourselves or anything like that. And actually the reason why I'm kind of bragging on the fact that Christians do this, number one, I'm a Christian apologist. So any chance I have to represent the church in a good light is a, is a good thing. Um, but also we haven't adopted yet. So I, I feel like I can brag on you. And, you know, other families, the Osbournes and other families who are taking other kids into their homes and raising them, I can brag on you all because then I'm not tooting my own horn. So um, <laughs> maybe I'll become a little less vocal after, um, you know, my wife and I are are looking to go down this road as I love well. That. Yeah, you've um, been talking about that. I'm, I'm excited for that day for you guys. Yeah, well, so um, I also have to give a quick shout out to my hammer and anvil society guys. So this is my, as you know, Rafe, this is my small group of guys, sort of an elite training society. Um, Romeo Alario calls it a sinister saintly society. And it's guys who are training in the biblical worldview and in the practical application thereof in order to make a, an impact for the gospel in their city. And of those guys, 
there are two of them right now who are actively pursuing adoption and oh, I um, love that. And and that's it's a small group of guys, so it's a high percentage. So I love to see the correlation between men and women who take their Christian faith seriously and and those who are also strongly considering or pursuing adoption. I really think oftentimes, and I don't want to be legalistic about this. It's not something that you have to do if you're a Christian, but I love to see the correlation between Christianity and uh, and adoption. So, um, so let me just let me share a link here with, that you shared with me, and that is um, it's a link to the adoption page on Park Community Church's website. So I'm going to go ahead and put this up on the screen. Mm-hmm. If you're listening later via audio, it's parkcommunity.church slash adoption. So Rafe, if somebody were to go to that page, what would they expect? Well, a couple things. One, uh, about a year ago, we started an adoption fund. So if you if you adopted the foster care system, your adoption costs are absolutely free. I mean, so you, you don't pay a dime for your adoption. Um, in fact, the state continues to pay you for each child a stipend each month until the child turns 18, even after the adoption. And so um, that's something to be aware of. That's not a reason to do it or to do it a different way, but it's a um, it's something that's real. So if you're looking at what the costs are, it's free if you foster care to adopt. If you don't foster, go through the foster care system and you just adopt uh, children who are for adoption, either nationally or internationally, the cost can range between forty to sixty thousand dollars, which is a ton. It's so much. And so what we did is we set up an adoption fund where we take part of the offering and we put it towards assisting parents who are willing to adopt children. And we'll pay up to $20,000 for an adoption uh, for park members of the church who are looking to adopt. And what we found is Amazing. It, it's not designed to be sole motivation uh, to adopt. It's not the reason to do it. But we just came to a place where we said, this is such a need. Christians need to do this. And we don't want finances to ever be a stumbling block. Wait, so to clarify, this is for families who want to foster to adopt or who who want to just do a straight adoption it's for adoption since foster care is free okay. uh, there, there's okay. not a financial need there okay. and we come alongside foster parents in many different ways i mean there's a ton of things we do for foster parents but for adoption parents uh we come alongside and financially assist to help knock down that sixty thousand dollars that adoption can oftentimes be so this takes a huge objection right out of the way i want to talk about objections real quick in rapid okay. fire format yeah um I sent some over to you in the private chat, but this, this man, when I first heard that Park was going to be doing this, mm-hmm. it so encouraged me. And then when I found out that, that you and South Loop were behind it, you know, were the, some of the large uh, motivating factors behind that. I was like, yeah, that makes sense because I know this is something that you not only talk about, but you're living out and man, anyone listening right now, any Christian who's listening right now. Look, you've heard the theological justification for it. You've been exposed to the process and sort of the how-tos. Mm-hmm. You, this right here takes away at least one major objection that you're going to have, which is what about the finances? If you're not motivated right now to at least begin praying about whether or not you should start this process, man, I, what are you, dead inside? I mean, <laughs> like... This is, this is an incredible opportunity. And these kids, I know Jesus himself said, the poor you will always have with you. So there's always going to be kids you need to be fostered. 
and adopted and given homes. And it's like, man, what can I do? There's so many kids, 44,000 in, in Illinois or, 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 or nationwide, whatever it is. You know, what can I do? Well, how about beginning to pray? And how about beginning to think about one kid, one child, yeah. one little lamb, one little, one precious little starfish as you're walking along the beach that you can pick up and, and throw back into the water. Yeah. Bad metaphor there, but you're saving, you're saving the child. Right. And okay, you can't do all 44,000, but maybe, maybe you can prayerfully consider one. And maybe, Rafe, I like how you mentioned safe families because maybe you can't adopt a child for the rest of that child's life, but maybe you can give a kid a home for a weekend. Or a mm-hmm. couple of weeks, yeah, and and it just begin to investigate that process and see what it's like. Safe families is a great way to go if you're around Chicago. And I know there are many people. We have listeners all over the world. Maybe you you know maybe you're somewhere else. Look around. Look around for organizations. Ask your pastor. Ask your elders. Do you know about opportunities to get me started here? Could we start an adoption fund at our church? Yeah, you know maybe you don't go to Park South Loop. Maybe you go to some and other if you church. want to ask how to do that, call me. I, I mean, honestly, I, I will. How can I will they? Help how can they do that? Across the globe, help start their own adoption fund. It's. It, I think it's a very important thing to do. Do you have a contact page on rafechennery dot dot com? Uh, but you, well, you know what? On that adoption page that you have up there, uh, my wife is the uh, helps uh, administratively run the adoption fund. And so on there is a. Uh, there should be links to get in touch. And if there's a church who wants to know what they can do or how they can start their own adoption fund. Um, you reach out through that page and it'll come to me and my wife and we'll, we'll be in touch with you. I just had an epiphany, man. You know the organization Babies Are Murdered here, which is the pro-life group that uh, fights uh, uh, fights abortion? Okay. Okay, so great group. It's run out of Apology at Church Okay. out in Arizona. So Jeff Durbin's church. Well, adoption is the anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. Adoption smacks abortion in the face right? and says, you're not even necessary. Now, it's not necessary anyway, but adoption is such a powerful, I'm going to leave that link up on the screen, by the way, for the time being, because I want everyone to get a chance to write that down. Parkcommunity.church slash adoption. Adoption is the anti-abortion. And there's this great, amazing organization that my wife and I just started partnering with. It's called Babies Are Murdered Here. We got to start something called Babies Are Rescued Here. Something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. How 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 incredible it'd be the flip side of the coin. Well, and you rescued rail, here. because I think a lot of people in the secular world, what they hear churches say, and it's something churches should say, is they rail against abortion, and every Christian should be angry about abortion. Every Christian should stand up against abortion. We should fight to see the law changed. Yes and amen. We're all in on that. Um, but you do oftentimes hear people say, "Well, yeah, you just care." Like you said, you don't care about uh, babies outside of the womb. I'll tell you what, when we started this adoption fund, we had a number of conversations with people. And like, even one of our elders at our church had a conversation with a coworker where the coworker was kind of dissing on Christians. And uh, our elder shared, um, he said, hey, I just want you to know, like what you're saying about the church isn't true. And she said, give me one example. <laughs> and, and our elder said, uh, well, my church, for example, we're starting an adoption fund. We're going to give $20,000 towards people who want to adopt and step into brokenness like this to help make it possible. And the person who had been ripping on the church waited about 10 seconds in silence and then said, now that sounds like a church I'd be interested in attending. Oh, Now, I say that, not again, like you said, not to toot our horn, but to tell you right. at other churches, 
um, that's the kind of witness that something like this has to the watching world. They, they need to see both. They need to see you stand up against abortion and they need to see you adopting and stepping yes. into brokenness as well with yes. your life and with your families. Uh, and it's a great cost to that, but it's a great joy as well to kind of step into adoption. Dude, can we handle some objections? I know people are going to be thinking. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. Let's talk about some obstacles and objections. Um, uh, now, these are, these are, um, let's see, here we go. These are ones that I'm, I, I was thinking of. Maybe you've, maybe you can think of some others, but I mean, let's just do like one minute rebuttals or responses to these, uh, obstacles and objections. Okay. Um, and then if people want to know more, go to that website, parkcommunity.church slash adoption, get in touch with Sarah Chenery and Rafe Chenery, Pastor yep. Rafe, and uh, you can get some more information on this. Okay, Rafe, is it wrong for a family to adopt outside their quote unquote race, mm-hmm. e.g. for a white family to adopt black kids, for a black family to adopt Asian kids, for an Asian family to adopt Hispanic kids, et cetera, et cetera. Is that right? Is that wrong? You want to go first? Me? It's right. Totally right. Great and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about, uh, if we're talking about adoption in terms of, as Christians, in terms of a spiritual reality, uh, it's, it's becomes now I don't, there's nothing wrong with a uh, black family adopting black kids. There's nothing wrong with a white family adopting white kids. Wonderful mm-hmm. thing. Adopt is adopt the kids. That's mm-hmm. the thesis here. Adopt some kids. But, um, there's also something incredibly beautiful in having your family being, be an, an ethnic mosaic. Mm. And, and it's, that's, listen, it's like the church. Right. What, what, what ethnicity is the church of Jesus Christ? Right. Um, all of them, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, what language does God speak? All of them, you know, go back to Pentecost right. in, uh, in the, the first few chapters of Acts and you find out, yeah, God speaks all languages. God loves all ethnicities. And if you want, I know a guy who's adopting, intentionally trying to adopt kids who are of a different, different ethnicity to him so that he can image in his own family the um the reality of of the church and that theological truth and i also know of a family a good friend of mine growing up his parents adopted kids specifically from parents who looked like them and i don't just mean white and white but specifically there was an actual resemblance so that the kids would look like their adoptive parents and feel more like family growing up i think that's a beautiful thing too i think there's no problem with that i think the point is you got to adopt some kids and i'm not (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge. Um, I mean, look, you can be sinful in anything and you can be virtuous in anything. Right. Uh, but, uh, but I think the point here is adopt some kids. What, what would you say? Well, I hope it's not wrong because I have two black daughters. And so uh, <laughs> right, uh, if right. I say it's wrong, then we're all in trouble. Right. You know, the, uh, the reality of this, I've heard that said a lot. Um, I've ha- handled this question a lot of times uh, from people saying that it was wrong for us to do it. Uh, and so I'm well well-versed with this question. I think the the one thing I would add to what I hear you saying um, is when you, when you adopt cross-culturally, I think that there is a piece for the parent who's adopting to be intentional of, um, of being aware of what it means for the child to not look like you. Uh, there, there are layers. There are layers in a multi-race family, in a mixed-race family, that you should be aware of. We, as a family, we we do some things that are very intentional uh, to make sure that our uh, our black daughters are um, have experiences and have people in their life 
uh, not only that look like them, but can help them understand some of their cultural heritage. And, and we want to celebrate that. Like, I, I want them to celebrate uh, some of their heritage of uh, their ethnicity and their cultural things that I, as a white dad, might not be able to teach them. And so we have an intentionality there. I think part of the heart of the question, and I've heard it that, that on its best days, that question is getting at, you know, do you have an awareness of race or is this uh, is this some kind of a white savior complex thing? That's not the case whatsoever. I think it, it helps to be uh, savvy in the conversation of race if you're going to mix, if you're going to adopt children that don't look like you, you'll, you're going to come across it pretty much every day of your life. And so you have to have some kind of working knowledge of the issues yeah. at play. Um, but to say don't it. adopt across race is simply unbiblical. Uh, it's not a real thing. It's not a legitimate argument. And frankly, sometimes I feel like, uh, well, this is a, no, I'll say that illustration. I, I think it's, I think sometimes it's an excuse uh, to just further racial division rather than yeah. it is to really seek solutions together. DL Moody, he was talking about something different, but he said, I like the way I do it as opposed to the way you don't do it. <laughs> someone, <laughs> so, someone was criticizing him. I think about evangelism. He's like, well, yeah, that's good. I like the way I do it versus the way you don't do it. Yeah. It sounds like DL Moody. Um, Rafe, what if it's too hard? Before you answer this, I want to just uh, mention there there were there's this YouTuber influencing uh, influencer family, um, James and Micah Stoffer, and they recently gave up custody. This is reported on Today.com. They gave up custody of their four year old son with special needs so he could be adopted by another family. Now this is a, uh, a, a, like I said, a YouTube influencer family. They actually effectively monetized the adoption of their son. They adopted, a, a, I believe, an Asian child. They're a white family. And they made this big deal about it. And they sold ads through YouTube on their videos in which they were going through this process. Only to later on discover that this child, their son, their son, their adoptive son, had autism. And when things got too hard, they ended up, and I'm trying to say this without judging the family one way or the other, but I'm trying to give a clear picture. They ended up giving their son away to another family. And the, the reason they did it is because it was, quite frankly, they found it too challenging mm -hmm. um, to raise a son with autism. They received a lot of backlash. Again, Rafe, a lot of people who maybe are armchair quarterbacking this, okay? And I, I've got my own thoughts on it. I'm not going to share them right now. But what if you adopt a child and it's hard? It's there's, there's like you said, there's abuse issues. Mm -hmm. There, there could be trauma. Mm -hmm. There could be mental uh, and emotional development issues. There could be physical issues, health issues. Mm -hmm. Rafe, what would you say to someone who says, you know what, I, I, I I'm, I'm concerned. This, it just might be too hard for me and I don't want to have to give back or give away a child after we adopt. Yeah. What do you, what do you say? Well, well, I, there's about three different quick responses to that. One is just to say it will be hard. Um, so whether or not you have a child with high needs, um, nothing's easy about this. And no matter how rosy they make it look, uh, you're going to have a lot of hard days. Uh, that's the reality. Yeah. Um, it, it, just to remind you of the cost, Jesus had to go to the cross to adopt you into his family. There was nothing easy about it. Yeah. Uh, and so if we as Christians are going to replicate in some small way his adoption of us into his family, we should expect there's going to be um, some blood to be spilled metaphorically. It, it, there's going to be some skin in the game. Uh, it's not going to be easy. 
praise God, uh, we believe in the doctrine of perseverance of the saints. Once saved, always saved, and there's nothing that can take you out of the hands of the loving Amen. Father. Not yourself, not Satan, not a bad day, not a bad mistake. Uh, once God's got you and you've been adopted, there ain't no turning back. He's not giving you up. Uh, with that said, uh, what I would say is the same, we should handle that question as if we were talking about a biological child. What would you do if the biological child had autism, had uh, any, any difficulties? Which, by the way, biological children have tons of difficulties. All types of things can happen in life. And the reality is no, no parent would give up their child. Uh, and, but what adoption is, is you, they become your child. You treat them like a biological child. They get an inheritance like a biological. You then split your inheritance that you're going to give to your child. You Amen. split it among all of them. And so uh, my quick answer to the question is no, nobody should be adopting children and giving them back. If you're not sure if you're ready for it, make sure you pray before you step into it. I would say this also at the same time. Sometimes people do find themselves in circumstances that are extreme, that are extreme. What I would say in that circumstance is get plugged into a healthy church where you have the kind of care and support you need to care for the children. Uh, you, you, a church will support you. A church will come alongside you. Uh, you're not asked to do it alone. Uh, you've been given a community, so you lean on that community. Um, but I don't think giving a child up once they become your child is something Christians should think about doing. Yeah, no, man, that's that's good. That's really good. Um, yeah, having that mentality, Rafe. In thirty seconds, can you can you go over what effect did adopting two girls have on your biological daughter? What effect will adoption have on my other kids? Yeah. Um, well, some things are natural. Uh, and again, the 32nd answer is some things are natural. You know, if I brought two by if I, we gave birth to twins, you know, a, a, an only child going to a three daughter child, there's going to be some things that are just natural. They got to learn how to share. They got to learn how to all this and that. Our biggest hope for our daughter is that our daughter, our biological daughter in this would, would get a great picture of the gospel. Um, as a result of this, that even on her hardest days, we would be discipling our child to understand that we are a family that's built our life on Jesus Christ, and adoption is part of the gospel. She, my six-year-old, has believed on Jesus Christ. We teach her that she is an adopted child into the father's family, and that she is developing a love for adoption. There are hard days. I'm telling you, you're going to step into this. There's hard days, and it will impact your biological child, and that will that has its own unique sting to it. Um, but but I'm telling you also, to get to be a part of building the kingdom of God and to see the kingdom expand like that and to see your child get to know the heart of the gospel through adoption, it's worth it. Um, and so, and good parents will be involved. And so you gotta come alongside your biological children. You gotta, you gotta bring them on the journey with you in whatever they're able to do. So they're part of this, um, but uh, it, it won't be easy, certainly. But uh, point them to the gospel the whole way. That's good, man. Very good. Appreciate it. All right. Well, man, lots and lots <laughs> of great information in this one, Rafe. Um, I got to tell you, um, it's it's convicting to me. It's encouraging to me. And I know for many of our listeners, um, well, let me say this. My prayer is that someone listening would take it upon themselves to pursue this journey that admittedly is not going to be easy. It is going to be hard. But as you said, 
Jesus Christ went to the cross to adopt us, to secure our adoption into the, the family of God. And what in this world that's worth having doesn't cost anything? It, whatever's worthwhile is always going to cost. And so it's convicting. It's encouraging to me. My prayer is, is someone's going to find this useful. And some child, maybe many children, are going to be rescued, are going to be given good, godly, Christian homes. And I'm talking children of every ethnicity, children of every age, children of, of every capability and, um, and level of ability and every other characteristic are going to be adopted into believing homes with parents who are going to raise them up, catechize them, train them in the faith, evangelize them, and send them out as God-fearing disciples of Jesus Christ. And Rafe, that is how we win. That is how we win. We play the long game. We take kids out of the world. We give them loving homes, introduce them to Jesus Christ. You know, we can't make anybody believe, but we sure can put them in a context where they can hear the good word, the gospel, and uh, connect them with, a, with the, the household of faith, connect them with a good church. Um, man, connect with the Think Institute by going to thethink.institute. Get all of our back catalog of podcasts by going to thethink.institute slash podcast. Connect with us on social media. And for more great content from Rafe Chenery, go to rafechenery.com, R-A-E-F-C-H, uh, chenery.com. Go to, um, connect with us on all the social media. And, um, I've been posting a lot more on Parlor lately. I don't really like Parlor, to be honest with you, but people are moving over there. And, uh, it's a, it's a wonderful, uh, social, medium if you like echo chambers <laughs> but i like a little bit more of the give and take a little bit more of the uh the uh the, the bare knuckle bare knuckle ideological boxing that you get on twitter um but uh, connect with us on social media and you know what we sure hope that you found something helpful today this is not goodbye this has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey that's all we have for you today so until next time we hope it makes you think can you hear that